God, you are worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. Lord God, you are a creator, you are a redeemer, you are a sustainer, and you are the joy of our lives. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and worship you. We thank you for an opportunity to come and join with the rest of our faith family and sing praises to our good God. Lord, we thank you for you are God and you are good. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. We're going to be talking about this morning about a king named Rehoboam. King Rehoboam was uh, Solomon's son, and uh, everything went south with Rehoboam. Uh, Rehoboam uh, inherited a united kingdom, and it didn't take him but a minute to divide it. (laughs) Uh, Rehoboam uh, would listen to his friends rather than wisdom, and in listening to his friends, when, when the people of Israel come to him and said, uh, your dad was pretty tough. If, if you'll be a little more gracious to us, the people are going to serve you. But his friends come along and said, ah, you tell them my daddy was tough, but I'm going to be tougher. And so he did, and uh, it cost him half the kingdom. In fact, the nation of Israel is divided into uh, the northern kingdom at this time, the northern kingdom, and then the southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom only really consists of two tribes. So you can see it wasn't even a, an even split. And uh, so Rehoboam is now king of the southern kingdom, <clears throat> the kingdom of Judah, in which Jerusalem is in the middle of the kingdom of Judah. And, uh, and so in Second Chronicles chapter 12, you see, we're, going to, we're just going to read a bunch of scripture today, okay? Y'all good with that? All right, chapter 12, verse 1. Now, it came to pass when Rehoboam established the kingdom that he strengthened himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. By the way, that's not a good thing. When he strengthened himself, he was building himself up, and this is a building up of the flesh, and, and this is not a good thing. He strengthened himself uh, that he forsook the law of the Lord, so he went from bad to worse. He forsook the law of the Lord and all of Israel along with him. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, I think that's Shishak, it could be Shishak, it could be Shellshak, could be Shellshak, but I don't know. We're going to call him Shishak. Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. With 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horsemen, people without number who came with him out of Egypt and Lubim and uh, Sukim, I don't know what these names are, and the Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came to Jerusalem. So here comes so many people out of Egypt, you couldn't even count them all. And they start taking the fortified cities of Judah, and now they're breathing down the neck of Jerusalem and King Rehoboam. Verse 5. Uh, then Shemaiah, the prophet, came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak and said to them, Thus says the Lord. So now remember, Shishak's the Egyptian king. Rehoboam is the king of Judah. King of Judah, Solomon's son. Now we have Shishak coming against Egypt, uh, from Egypt, coming against Jerusalem. And now we have a, a prophet. And the prophet Shemaiah says to Rehoboam, 
verse 5. Thus says the Lord, you have forsaken me, and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. Like, you, this is what you wanted. You got what you, you got what you wanted. Now, do you want what you got? So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, the Lord is righteous. Now, now I need you to see the difference between verse 1 and verse 6. Uh, in verse 1, it says, Rehoboam strengthened himself. In verse 6, it says, they humbled himself. Amen? He, he humbled himself. And so uh, we, we recognize the difference in the attitude and what changed. Well, you're about to get your honey whooped. That's what changed. You're about to get... You're about to get taken out, and so he got very serious with the Lord all of a sudden, and Rehoboam uh, hears from the Lord, and he says, you've forsaken me, therefore I've left you in the hand of Shishak. So the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, the Lord is righteous. Yes, he is. When you forsake him, he leaves you with the consequences of a life without him. Amen? When you, when you say, I don't need you, God, well, if you don't need God, you don't need his blessings either, and pretty soon you realize, oh, I do need you, God. And so he starts crying out, Ooh, I, I need you, Lord. And so they humbled themselves. In verse 7, now when the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. Hey, by the way, just stop right there for a second. Isn't it good that our God responds immediately to humility? <clears throat> Isn't it good that our God responds immediately to, to repentance? Thank you. And so we see him as they, the Lord humbled him. He then humbled himself. And the Lord relented. Now, what was about to happen was that they were about to get wiped out. So it doesn't happen. God's going to show them mercy. However, sin always has consequences. Always has consequences. Even with his forgiveness, there's still consequences to sin. I want you to look at verse 8. Nevertheless, they will be his servants. They will be Shishak's servants. That they may distinguish. I like, I, we got to get this that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kings of these nations. God says, oh, you don't want me? Well, you're going to serve somebody. And so serve them for a little bit. See how that works out for you. Serve them for a little bit. Then you'll realize I'm a giving God and they're takers. I'm a giving and a generous and a gracious God. And, and, and you, if you would just, just serve me, just live for me and just be my people, then you will be the richest people in the world. You will be the most blessed people on the planet. You will be the, the, the envy of all the other nations if you would allow me to be your God. But rather than have me as your God, you, you, you want to cast me aside. So let's just see how you like it now. And so verse 8 again, nevertheless they will be his servants that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away, because see, that's what they do, they take. They take. They took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took everything. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. I'm not going to go back and read it, but in 1 Kings chapter 10, it talks about the gold shields that Solomon had made. 600 shekels in each shield, 600 shekels of gold in each shield. He had all these shields. There's like 20 of the large shields and 60 of the little shields. And it was just shields everywhere, these golden shields. Just remember this. And so here comes Egypt. They, they ransack Jerusalem. They steal all the gold. Now, you can go back and study how much gold that is. That's a bunch. 
Solomon had piled up gold like crazy, and the, and the Egyptians come, steal it all, said they took everything, and he carried away the gold shields. Now, here is Rehoboam's legacy. The next verse of Scripture is Rehoboam's legacy. This is what we know Rehoboam by. This is what we know about him. Verse 10, then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out, and then they would take them back in into the guard room. So what is known about Rehoboam? Well, you inherited gold. And gold, so much gold that you couldn't count. But when you rejected God, you lost the gold. And now, now that you've lost the gold, we, have, we are told of one thing that he brings back. We know that there's so much gold inside that temple. There was gold everywhere. All the articles were gold, everything. Gold, 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 gold. But it says that he restored one thing, and that was the shields. Now, there, now, you just need to see in your mind what the temple in Jerusalem looked like sitting there on, on Mount Zion, all this, this white, glorious temple with gold everywhere and the sun shining down on it. You could be traveling for miles and just see the glory, the glory of the temple, the glory of the temple. And, and you could just see that. And, and, and you could imagine these golden shields just reflecting sunlight. And it was glorious. Rehoboam kind of missed those shields. He says, we're going to have some more shields. And so he takes some bronze and he, takes a shine, he has them shine that bronze so that when he goes in and goes out, they bring out the shields. Shine it on him. Shine on Rehoboam. You ever, every now and then I have people like if I had to do a funeral and I had to put on a suit, people will say, you shine up pretty good. Well, thank you, I guess. But last week I had a young girl come up to me and said, she said, can I ask you something? I said, sure. I'm thinking, you know, something biblical. She said, do you shine your head on purpose? <laughs> what, what, do you have, what do you have to do to get it shine like that? I said, baby, I don't do nothing. That's the glory of the Lord. That's what that is. Uh, but have you ever heard somebody say, you shine up pretty good? Well, here's what Rehoboam did. He just shined up some old brass shields. It's brass. It's brass. It's a cheap knockoff. That's what it is. But he liked his own glory. He liked his own glory. And so when he'd walk in and walk out, he'd bring out the shields. Let it shine on me. Let it shine on me. I want you to see it in 1 Kings uh, We'll back up real quick to 1 Kings 14. It's just another account of the same guy. 1 Kings 14, 23. For they also built for themselves high places. This is the reproach of Rehoboam. They built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. By the way, what these are are sex gods. You had Baal, the male sex god. You had Asher, the female sex god. And they would, they would uh, worship them. Verse 24 gives you a good description of how. And there were also perverted persons in the land. They would have their goddess priests and priestesses and God priests. And if you read in the King James, it says sodomites. If you look up this word perverted person, it says both male and female 
temple prostitutes scattered all throughout the land. Verse 24, and there were also perverted persons in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. When people say, well, what, what was wrong with those people groups that God removed them from the land? You just read it. You just read it. Verse 25, and it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away all the gold shields which Solomon had made. Here's his legacy. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards carried them, then brought them back into the guard house. That's his legacy. He was so vain that he wanted his own glory so much that when all the gold was gone, he had them build, build bronze shields. And when I walk in and out, you shine it on me. You shine it on me. This is after he repented and God said, I'm not going to kill you. I'm, going, I'm not going to kill you, but you are going to experience the consequences of sin. What was the consequences of sin? The glory was gone. The glory was gone. The glorious temple was now desecrated the gold has been stolen and the glory was gone and i don't know if you've ever been there sometimes the enemy comes and steals from you he comes and steals your joy he steals your love you begin cooling off in your passion for the lord and you begin realizing, see, we need to understand a little bit about the scriptures when it talks about bronze, what it represents, when it talks about gold, what it represents. Maybe Rehoboam didn't even get it. But gold represents God. It's the essence of his glory. It's imperishable. It don't tarnish. It don't rust. It don't rot. It don't fade. Glory, the gold is a representation of the glory of God, the, the, the beauty of it, the incorruptible of it, the, the value of it. But what you also need to know is that bronze represents judgment. And even while Rehoboam was trying to shine the glory on himself, he was casting judgment on himself. He wanted glory for himself. We'll go back to 2 Chronicles this is just kind of a summing up of his life. Verse 12, when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as not to destroy him completely. And things also went well in Judah. Isn't that good? I want to I wanna point out some things that he did wrong. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to associate it to us. And that's the sticky part, right? If you're still in 1 Chronicles 12, There's three things that he did wrong. He strengthened himself. He built himself up. He built himself up. So just think about it. Verse 1, he strengthened himself. Number 2, he forsook the law. He forsook the law. And, and those two things actually happened because of something that he did not do. And that's in the last of this passage. Verse 14, he did evil because... Everybody with me? He did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. All of the evil activity was actually a, a heart condition that he had. He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. See, your heart is your center of your passions, your desires, your motivations. Your, uh, this is why we talk about uh, trusting the Lord with all of our heart. 
asking Christ into your heart. It is the center of your passions and desires, and he did not prepare his heart. And so because his heart wasn't right, his actions weren't right, and so I, I want to I flip back to the book of Revelation. There's a church that this is very, it's kind of similar. It's called the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3. This church, man, they thought they had it going on. The, the wealth that Rehoboam lost, they had. They had some of it. The angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works. Remember, their heart wasn't right. Rehoboam's heart wasn't right. Therefore, his activity was wrong. And he's looking at this church. This is Jesus. If you've got a red-letter Bible, you're reading it in red. Jesus is speaking to the church. I know your works. By the way, we're told that we will be judged by our works. Every idle word spoken, all the dead works, those things. Remember, Rehoboam is shining judgment on himself with those bronze shields. He wanted his own glory, not God's glory. Verse 16, so then because you are, uh, let me back up, verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. You cooled off in your passion for me. You've cooled off in your faith. You're neither cold nor hot. Anybody ever been there? Unfortunately, I've been there more than I have been hot. It's a fight, isn't it? You, you must prepare your heart. It must, it's a heart condition. To, we have to, you can't follow your heart. You have to guide your heart. You, you, your heart is, is desperately wicked, the Bible says. You have to guide your heart. You have to prepare your heart. And so it, it, it tells us what happens when we don't. But he says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. This is Jesus talking to a church. Because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Catch verse 18. I love it. I'm going to tell you something. I've been ready to preach this for a little bit. This morning, I got some insight. I'm like, no, that ain't right. But I'm going to tell, you, tell it to you anyway. Verse 18. <laughs> I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. By the way, this is a very wealthy city. The church, the, the wealth of the city was reflected in the church. They had a lot of stuff. Uh, man, they, they, had a, they had, I'm sure they had a beautiful building. The people looked so pretty and nice and, and wealthy. But he says, but the real wealth, you don't have it. You don't have it. Buy from me gold. You see it? Verse 18. Buy from me gold. He's selling something. <laughs> I mean, this is why I say this ain't right, but I'm going to say it anyway. How many of us remember door-to-door -door salesmen? I don't know if they're selling a vacuum cleaner. I remember we were newlyweds, and we bought a bunch of steaks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I come up, and, uh, and we got a guy at our church that happens to be serving today, and he sells amazing steaks. It is, but this, this guy drove around in his little pickup truck and, uh, and, and sold us a, a box of steaks, and they were delicious. <laughs> but I, we, we bought those things. I'm like, what did we just 
do? We spent so much money, we had to start selling it to other people. <laughs> so we had door-to-door salesmen back in the day. They were, they were selling things. They were selling encyclopedias. They were selling Bibles. They were selling steaks. They were selling vacuum cleaners. And I thought, Jesus is a door-to-door salesman. That ain't right. Look at it. Stick with me now. I'm not a heretic, all right? (laughs) I counsel you to buy from me gold. Look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. (laughs) Do you see it? Hello, who is it? I got something to sell you. (laughs) What are you selling? I got something very, very precious. I got something very, very... But he said, buy. Now, this is awesome to know that even with Rehoboam, he did not have to go back to the enemy who stole his gold. Because with my God, gold is plentiful. You don't have to go back to the enemy that stole from you to try and retrieve what he stole from you. You just go to God. Amen? And Jesus says, buy from me gold, true spiritual treasure, Buy from me gold refined in the fire. The essence of God, his glory, the the very radiance of who he is and all that he does. He says, come get it from me. Come get it from me. Now, you notice that word buy? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. I know we talk about the good grace of God and that he's so generous and, and it. And he, he is so gracious. It's going to cost you something. What's it going to cost? Everything. Cost you everything. You're going to make him Lord of your life? Then you surrender it all. This, Lord, it's all yours. My resources, my possessions, my relationships. It's all yours. You're my Lord. You're my God. I give you everything. My time my loves, my hobbies. What's it cost me? Everything I have. Ooh, that's kind of high. It's a little expensive. But here's the awesome thing. When you give everything you have, it's not very much. He gives you everything he has. Amen? (laughs) He gives you everything he has. What a trade. What a deal. Lord, you can have my junk. You can have have even my trinkets that I used to call treasure. He says, that's right. You give it to me, I'll give you true treasure. Buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich. You see it? You may be rich. That's what it says. Buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich. Spiritual wealth. Amen? I won't be rolling in it. <laughs> I will be dripping. All right. Some of y'all don't know that phrase. I didn't know either. I had to have it explained to me. <laughs> I want to be so spiritually wealthy that his glory just shines. I won't have to polish it. It just shines. Amen. In Ephesians chapter one, we're going to wrap it up with this. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, different city, different culture different kind of church. And he's talking to this church in Ephesus and 
Verse three, he said, blessed be the God and Father, this is chapter one of Ephesians, verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. He said, we're rich. <laughs> we discovered that, that we, we, we bought this, we bought something only to find out the value of it after we bought it. We purchased by our own lives, giving them to the Lord who is saying, I got something you need. <laughs> now you do realize that Jesus is not a beggar. And I, don't, I think we kind of have, have uh, brought down in our understanding the value of a door-to-door -door salesman. No, this is God that showed up at your place. God showed up at your door. What does that tell me? He seeks us out. He seeks us out. This is God. Jesus comes and says, I got something you need. What do we need, Lord? We need this gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. And then when we give our all to him and he gives his all to us, Paul says, I pray that you get it. I pray that you get it. So he begins saying to this church in Ephesus, I, I pray that the Lord opens your eyes. Verse set, uh, four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and he goes on to say i pray that you understand look at verse six to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin according to what the riches of his grace Stinking rich. <laughs> I mean, overflowing with wealth. Paul says, I'm praying for you. Praying you understand what you got. I'm praying that you get all that you get when you get him. I pray that you get it. Oh, I just thought about this illustration. This is an old one. I hadn't told this in a long time. It's a true story is what I understand. There was an estate sale. We went to a estate sale yesterday. Bought a refrigerator. We're good. <laughs> it was this estate sale, and it was an auction, auction sale, and man, all this guy, this guy died. He was very, very, very wealthy, and he had all this treasure at this auction, and the auctioneer was getting ready, and there's this old, old painting over there, and it wasn't that great, but it was a, it was a painting, it was a portrait, and, uh, and, and I, I don't know if it's true, you know, I don't know if I'm telling the truth or just preaching, but anyway. The story goes to be true that uh, the first item on, up for sale was the portrait. And you know how auctioneers, they'll start where they expect to stop. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so they started where they expected to stop. Of course, nobody bids. And so he drops it down a little bit. Nobody bids. Drops it down a little bit. Nobody. Finally, somebody bids on it. And uh, it, it was the guy who was actually kind of a butler for the rich man. I need to get going with this story. I've been hurry up. And he says, I, I want it. I want I want it that painting. And so it comes before them and says, This is the this is the owner's son. It's the it's the portrait of the owner's son. And he, this man, he knew how much money he had, and he 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 bought that painting for that price. Well, at the <laughs> as that painting sold, the auctioneer says, This is the conclusion of the sale. Thank you all for coming. Everybody started losing their mind. There's treasure everywhere. 
Well, why aren't we getting a chance to, to bid on all of this? The auctioneer said, it was in the will of the owner that whoever gets this son gets it all. <laughs> whoever takes the son gets it all. With Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when we purchase him with our own lives, we say, I want Jesus. God says, looks at us and he said, whoever takes my son gets it all. Amen. Amen. So he says in verse 11, in him, Jesus, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That, he, that we who first trusted in Christ, that's faith, should be to the praise of, catch it, his glory. Amen? That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted that you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you have believed. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Almost sounds like I'm reading a legal document, doesn't it? Who is the, and you know what? And I don't like legal documents until it tells me I'm getting something. I'm real interested. <laughs> You're reading a legal document of what you get when you get Jesus, the full inheritance. And when you receive this salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in as a guarantee that you got God and all that comes with him. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of, this, of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen? When Rehoboam was shining the brass shields on himself, he was shining judgment on himself. All that gold was for God's glory, not the king's. The true king, it was for his glory. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes, he said, I'm praying that you get it. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is, I got, I got chapter, uh, verse 19 underlined so many times, I can barely read it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen? Man, when we live for his glory... When we want to shine his glory, it is, it is the essence of God shining off of our lives. But when we want our own glory, we just shine judgment on ourselves. Paul says, I'm praying that you get it. I'm praying that you understand just how glorious he is, just how good he is, just how gracious he is, and I pray that you go for the glory. Amen? Get his essence again. Jesus says, hey, I'm coming to you with the gold. 
I'm coming to you. I'm a door-to-door salesman. <laughs> I'm coming to you saying, hey, yes, sir, what do you, what do you want? I want to give you something. What you going to give me? I'm going to give you all the riches in heaven. Ooh, that sounds good. What's it going to cost me? Everything you got. Everything you got. I don't know, uh, as I said, I went to the state sale yesterday. And when I left there, I, we our fridge went out last week. And and so when I go to one of those things, I, and I know who my mama is, I know who my daddy is. They are they are professionals in that domain. Me, here, I got a little time. I'll give y'all my motto. I'll give y'all my motto. If I didn't know, if I didn't need, I can't even say my own motto. If I didn't know I needed it until I saw it, I really didn't need it. That's my motto. That's my motto. So. I don't go looking for what I might find. If I didn't know I needed it until I saw it, I really didn't need it. So we went looking for one thing, refrigerator. But they did have guns, <laughs> fishing equipment. <laughs> but, but it was a state sale, and there was people lined up all the way to the highway. It was, it was, but I had to have a refrigerator, and I'm cheap. <laughs> and so we get there, and, and, and all the commotion and the hustling and the bustle and trying to get people trying to get their stuff. And I hated it. I hated it. And the, and the dickering and the, all that stuff with trying to, I hate, I hate it. I got a refrigerator, though. <laughs> but here's how we do God sometimes. How much can I get for how little? How much can I get for how little? Can I, can I talk you down off that a little bit? Can I pay you a little less than that? Like, I want, I want you to give me your life. Oh, well, how about my Sundays? I, I want you to give me your everything. Would you settle for a tithe? I want, I, want you to, I want you to give me your heart. Well, how about a devotion every morning? God says, but I want to give you my everything. Well, that sounds good and everything, but uh, would you take less for it? He's like, no. It's going to cost you something. If you just recognize the value of what I'm giving you in return, I'm going to give you my glory. I'm going to give you the essence of who I am. I'm going to give you all the riches of heaven. And that ain't cheap. It's not cheap. And you know those who discover the secret are those who say, that's a good deal. I'll take it. I'll give you everything. Lord. I'll give you my life. I'll give you my love. I'll give you my possessions and my Personal relationships, Lord, I give you my heart. <clears throat> because I know that you're not a God like the Egyptian king that all he does is take. You're a God like is described in Ephesians chapter 1. You're a giver. You're a gracious God. This is not a cheap grace. This is not a cheap grace in which, uh, well, you just utter some prayer and we dunk you in a tank and, and you get nothing. Oh, that's the Christians that are in the middle chair that they recognize there's got to be more. 
There is. There is. There is. Father, I pray that you would open up our spiritual understanding, that we'd get it. We'd understand, Lord. This is not a bad trade. The little bit that we bring to the table is so piddly. It's not a sacrifice at all. It's a surrender. And when we do, Lord, you pour out blessings on us. Make us think, why did I wait? Why did I hesitate? May it not be like Rehoboam. He didn't prepare his heart. May we be a people with prepared hearts who humble ourselves and hold to your truth. Hold to your truth. May we be the ones who take the sun and get it off. Lord, we sure pray that you would just open up our spiritual understanding. I think there's some here today that that don't even have a relationship with you yet because they're not sure how good you are. They just don't know how good you are. It seems like you want to take from them. No, you actually want to give them everything. Pray we'd get it. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, please. We're going to have a time of invitation.